Welcome to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this week's message. And so here we are, and we're trying to sing about the Lord, and we got God, you're so good, and what a beautiful name, and what a beautiful name, and build my life, and I'll just say yes, and Waymaker, and uh, keep on getting better, and, and all these are good. They're all good. They're all good, right? But he's still greater than all of them. He's still greater than those songs. How many of you know our songs? And aren't you amazed that uh, one thing I, can, I appreciate about the prophetic and the song of the Lord is that you can write a song in a moment. Pastor Portia, Clea, uh, Grace, and Philip, and all, even you. Come on. How many of you guys ever started singing a song? And it may be a little bit corny. I write songs all the time. I think either half of the songs that Portia's written, I helped her write. <laughs> I take credit. You don't know that, but... Uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Uh, no, I Come on now, smile at me, smile at me. Come on, God inhabits our worship and our praises. And he likes when we're happy and we sing. And yes, it's, it's a serious time that we're living in. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to attempt to preach a few verses. You know, when we started this series out in May... We had a schedule that we would be done with the entire book of Ephesians by the end of July. Well, I have news for you. It's August 1st, and we're only starting chapter 4. Just blame Pastor Mike. But how many of you know the book of Ephesians, it's a, it's a mature book. It's a great book because Paul wrote this book, and he wrote it to the church, the church of Ephesus, which is if you don't know this, if you like geology, it's actually in Turkey. It's in Turkey. Uh, Ephesus was a city in Turkey. Let me find Ephesians myself. And so I just want to thank Pastor Portia for last Sunday's message, and she preached from the end of chapter 3. So let's pick it up today and say, Lord, we just thank you for your word. How many of you know that your word brings life to us? And so as we share, Lord, we thank you. And so let's pick it up. Uh, actually, what I'm going to do, let's just read. I'll read. If you can follow me, share. Thank you. Let's read verses 1 through 5 of chapter 4, and then I'll go back and touch on what Pastor Portia preached about. But here we go, and we're starting chapter 4. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering." Bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace, there is one body and one spirit, just as you are called in one hope of your calling. There's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. I think Paul was from the South. You all. Amen. You all, thank you, Jesus. Paul, here it is. You think as we come to this passage, uh, and when you look at the whole of the book, you realize the first three chapters are the first three portions of the letter were sharing with us how rich we are in God. 
Everything from chapters 1, 2, and 3 just showed us how rich you are, how big your bank account is in God. It's the wealth of the believer. It's the wealth. It's the wealth. And so like Paul was just reiterating to these Christians, how many of you guys have to be reminded how, how good God is? Come on. Right? You have to be reminded how good he is. And so if there's height, highly, uh, there's uh, revelations that are heighty in stature and revelation. You're like, wow, God is that big? God is that good? Come on, how many of you guys have ever read something in Scripture, but you, there's a contradiction inside of you because sometimes you don't feel it, you may not experience, and you're like, really? And there's a little bit of doubt that comes and creeps in and says, Can, is God really that mighty and powerful? But yes, he is. That's where you and I are in Christ. And so let's look at chapter 3 as Pastor Portia kind of concluded. In chapter 3, verses 18, Paul uses the illustration of God's love. And God's love, how? And it, and it shows us this image of the cross, the, the height and the depth and the width and the breadth, the height and the depth and the width and the breadth of God's love. In verse 18, Paul's prayer is that we're, we'd be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth. Everyone just lay your hand on your head and say, Lord, help my comprehension. Lord, even as Pastor Portia said, let, let my head be lower than my heart. That I would know this love. I don't want to know you in a knowledge, but I want to know you in experience. Verse 19, to know his love, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge that we would be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able, come on, we could stop right there. God is able. Now if you can say that or you can repeat that, that's part of your righteousness. When you can just declare, God, you're able. No matter what you see in the natural, no matter what you feel, no matter what circumstances would tell you, no matter what voice you hear that says otherwise, that's contrary, you could say, God, you declared it, and I just say you're able. It doesn't even matter if you believe it. God, if God says it, he's able to do it. That's what God says to Abraham. He says, Abraham, this is what's going to happen to you. And he says, God, I declare that you're able. And God says, because, Abraham, you said that about me. I'm going to just hang out with you as my friend. I'm going to make you my friend. And that statement causes you to be righteous. And so God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that works in us. How many of you guys say, Lord, I need some more power? Not power to be right. I need power to be humble. I need power to be Christ-like. I need power to die. I need power to have dominance over my flesh. I need to have power to be patient. I need power to allow the fruit of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, temperance, the Christ-likeness, and we're going to get there. That's what we need power for. We want power to show our rightness in our flesh, but no, no, no. How many know the way in God's kingdom, the way up is down? And we're, we're going to model Christ's likeness. And you'll hear this if Pastor Mike gets it. I don't know how many verses he's going to get to, but we'll get to what the image of uh, or where we're supposed to be as Christians. And so it says, I'm half drunk. I don't even can't read my Bible. 
his power that works in us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations. So here it is. Now we come to chapter 4, and Paul says it's time to shift, church. It's time to shift because now I'm going to stop talking so much about what God has done for you and what you have to do for God. So this is the part where it's like the cross, the vertical. How many of you guys know I just love God? I just don't like his kids. Come on, right? I can get, I can love God, I can worship, right? That's that vertical relationship. That's that vertical aspect of the cross. And so Paul says, okay, that's not a cross. That's just a pole, okay? And we like it. We just want to be vertical Christians. But he says, okay, now here it comes. It's time for the cross. It's time for somebody to cross you, okay? The cross is when you get crossed. I mean, and I always say this. You don't really don't know what a person is like until someone does them wrong. Or you don't, someone says, you don't know what you're like until you get thrown in hot water. And then the real you. Come on, how many of you guys have ever seen some of your manifestations come out? Come on, you guys, this week. This week. It could have been your dog that made you mad, or I don't know. But come on, you know what I'm talking about. There's that, there's that nature that still lives inside of you. And so Paul says to them, and here it is. He says, I therefore, he's reflecting on the goodness of God. He says, man, God, you've done so much. And so he, he comes to the first verse, and I could preach this whole message on this one verse. He says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. Remember in chapter 2, here it is. How many of you guys feel like you're a prisoner? Well, whether you like it or not, you are. You're not your own. You were bought with the price. Now, we don't like that kind of talk because we don't like anyone telling us what to do. Right? We don't like anybody telling us, especially sometimes even the Holy Spirit. Right? But Paul is like here. Paul is in prison, and he's freer in prison than some people are on the outside. So Paul is in a Roman prison. And he's writing this letter and he's saying, I'm in prison. He didn't say, I'm the prisoner of Rome. He says, I'm the prisoner of the Lord. And so Paul was in a prison, but yet he had a revelation that he was still in prison, a greater prison. See, being in prison, uh, the Lord's prison is not a bad thing. Come on. I'd rather be in the Lord's prison than the prison of my flesh. Come on. Or the prison of pain. Come on. How many of you guys have ever been in prison before? Now, maybe natural prison, maybe you did something or falsely accrued. But how many of you guys have, ever been, have been in the prison of your emotions or the, the, the prison of your flesh and addiction or the prison of unforgiveness or the prison of pain? I mean, there's a lot of prison. There's a lot of people walking around. They think they're free, but there are things that want to attach themselves to us and to our, whether it's a physical addiction or it could be a mental challenge. It could be an emotional situation, something. But how many know that there's a lot of prisons? You just don't see them, but they're real. Come on. You guys know what I'm talking about because some of you, we have them wanting to work inside of us. That's why that water baptism is so important because you get that old man buried and cut away. And that prison, that's not the prison of the Lord, can be cut away. And you can walk in freedom. We always say that the, the test is not, the test is freedom, right? Come on. The test is freedom, not, not uh, necessarily being in prison. But I think Paul he understood that 
as someone that knew what kind of person he was, that God came and saved him. He was a murderer. He was one, and we sh- I shared this with you. He was so wretched and foul and full of hate and torment. He actually killed people. And when he had the revelation of God's grace and his mercy, how many of you know, know that he was like, God, you want to save me? You will save me, the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low. He was the worst because he, he was a, a religious bigot. He was a religious person. He was full of religion and full of hate. And so here he gets saved. Paul knocks him off of his donkey and saves him and comes and encounters him. Now Paul is having that revelation. And so you think about your life. Think about what you were like. Think about the person, the old you, the person that God came to and saved. And so how much more when you have the revelation of how good God is, that you turn around and you says, Lord, I know you set me free, but I don't want to go anywhere else but stay close to you. And I'm giving you back my life. I'm going to be your servant. That is what Paul is saying. He says, I am a love slave. I'm a prisoner. I'm staying so close to God. Even if God wanted to get rid of me, he couldn't get rid of me. Remember I said it's easier to get into this thing than, than getting out. Come on, you get in, but you can't get out. So if you're, if you're getting in and you got wet, you might as well surrender. That's why I wanted Philip to sing that song, because I know there's areas of surrender in our life that God wants a deeper revelation or a different, a different level of obedience to. So Paul says, I'm the prisoner, or as the prisoner of the, of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of your calling. Pastor Mike, I don't even know how far I'm going to get with this, but I could preach this verse right here. As a prisoner, I want you to walk worthy of your calling. Can you say that with me? Say, I, want to, I need to walk worthy of my calling, which you were called. And you know what it means to walk? It means to make progress. I heard one of my friends, uh, Wellington Boone, he says this when he preaches. He says, not where are you going to, but he says, where are you growing to? Where are you growing to? Come on, growing takes effort. It takes um, focus, being deliberate, having a plan. And, and sometimes we need to, we can just say, I just want God to do it. I just want him to help my prayer life. No, come on, we have to be purposeful and say, Lord, help me to grow. How many say, Lord, help me to grow up? Help me to grow. And so this, this issue of walking, speaking of our life, it means progress. It means to regulate yourself. How many of you guys, you drive your car, and if you know, if you don't get it tuned up, it starts to make noises. And the same way with our spiritual life, some of them crazy noises that would come out of us, maybe because we need a spiritual tune-up. And so walking means that you're going to regulate yourself. You're going to regulate your life. You're going to tune up your car. It also means to, co- to be a conductor of yourself. Now, come on, think about this. If you're a conductor, a conductor has order and structure, and the musicians in the orchestra cannot just play whatever they want, right? They're going to have a a systematic. And so that conductor conducts and oversees this orchestra so that what the audience hear is harmonic and beautiful sounding. If If the conductor just got up there and just said, okay, everyone, just play whatever you want. It would be a hot mess in Philippines, right? And so this 
This word to live, your, live life in such a way or to, to walk worthy or to walk is to conduct our life in such a way. And it also means what are you passing on to other people? So it means to regulate yourself, to conduct yourself, or to think about what you are passing on or reciprocating in others. And a lot of times we don't think that about ourselves. We think, oh, it's just my life. It doesn't matter. I don't really, you know, I'm not a big person of influence. But you are. Your life matters. You're going to influence hundreds of people, whether you know it or not, or whether you like it or not. If you just look at natural statistics, we could do the whole report, but I'm not going to do that. But whether you like it or not, your life is going to influence hundreds of people, maybe thousands. And how much more if there is a, a focus and a deliberate manner on which Paul is coming in, in this verse. And he says, look, 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 enough, enough right now about the goodness of God and the graciousness of God and the power of God. Now it's about you and how you're living this out. And so he says to walk worthy. Now I wrote this down. I'm going to, this is the Pastor Steve translation of this one verse. Ephesians 4, 1. Therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. This is the Pastor Steve translation. Live in such a way that it matches the person you're named after. That's what that verse really means. Live your life in such a manner that it matches the person that you were named after. Come on, how many of you guys, I at least see a lot of babies in here. How many of you guys, there's, names are important, right? Come on, think about, do you guys know the meaning of your name? Why your parents named you that name or what your name means? Like my name means crowned one. Stephen means crowned one and Michael means messenger. That's my name, Stephen, Michael. And those are names in the natural. But the one that we were named after is the Christ. The Christ. Patrick, you got a name yet for, you got a name, Patrick? No, shh, okay, all right. Uh, pa Patrick's not pregnant, but Courtney's pregnant, and, and, and my son's not pregnant, Annika's pregnant. But anyhow, it's something about names, right? And so you name that child because there is a certain designation or a delineation of that child that you're saying, I want to name that because there's something about a name. And so Paul says, live in such a manner that it matches, or that Paul uses this word worthy. And this word worthy means are you the right weight? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, how much do you weigh? Now, come on now. I know this is a sensitive subject because you're like, oh, I know I got to lose weight. I know, but come on. The word worthy means are you the real deal? That's what Paul is saying here. He says, are you the real thing? When someone takes a bite out of you, are you the real deal? Are you genuine? That's what Paul is saying. He says, live your life in such a way that when people test you, Come on, how many of you guys like that word? When you're tested, that people, when, or when they taste you, they taste something that is authentic or it matches who you say you're named after. So it means, are you the real deal? So the, the word worthy means weight. The reason it means weight is because it came from scales. And if you had a coin that didn't, even though it looked like it was the right coin, or maybe it was worn out, and they put it on the scale, and they had the original one. And let's say this coin weighed two ounces, but this coin over here only weighed 1.75. Then this coin was a quarter percent or quarter part not worthy of the original. 
And so that's what this word means. It means, are you weighted? Are you the original? Now, let me tell you a story about the original, because one time, Patrick, since you're up there, I'm going to use this example. One time, Patrick, my son Patrick, he's up there. He was buying a car, and I have to take credit for this, how stupid I was. But Patrick wanted this car, and he wanted a stick shift. You forgive me, Pat. I'm still paying you back. And so Pat wanted the stick shift. So he went online. We went on Craigslist. We were looking at cars, and uh, he wanted a Scion. And we were looking down in San Jose, and we found the car, and it was nice. It was cute, but it wasn't a stick shift. It wasn't a manual. How many of you guys like to, you know, like automatics are just steering, but if you ever had to learn to drive with the stick, it's like, you know, and Patrick being a young man, he likes to rev it up, you know, and go fast, pray for his wife. But anyhow, there was this car on Craigslist, and it said it had... 80,000 miles and it was a stick shift so we went to see it but what we failed to do was to do the Carfax check and we were so excited and that was just I don't know anyhow forgive me Patrick so we get there and the car is running it's nice it drives we get there Patrick gets the car home we pay pays the money for it two days later he starts it up when it's cold and black smoke is coming out of the back he calls me, Pastor Steve, oh, what? And so sure enough, we take it to the mechanic. I go to the computer. I do the Carfax. This car has 240,000 miles. How many of you know that was a test? Patrick and I got back on the computer. We started looking at it. We were like, we'll just go find that dude. We know where he lives in San Jose. Patrick was like, okay, yeah, we started getting on the Google Maps. We were like, yeah, we were right there. Well, let's just go sit there, right? We were like, we're going to spend the night there. We're going to bring some of our weapons. And uh, we would just post out and find him and show him the laying on of hands. We called the DMV. But how many know that that was a situation where that vehicle was not worthy? It was not worthy of what the person said it was. And so Paul is saying, as his prisoner, how many know all of you, whether you like it or not, you're God's prisoner. His love has captivated. Are you captive by his love? Are you captive by his will? Are you captive by what captivate? What captivates our life? Come on. Is it your own? What's, what's captivating you? Come on. To be captive, that means you're a prisoner. So I want you to ask yourself, what is captivating our hearts on a daily basis? What's captivating our emotions? What's captivating our passion? What's captivating us? Because whether you like, you're going to be a prisoner to somebody or something. And I want to say captive to the will and the love of Christ. And so Paul says, as a captive or as a prisoner, walk in such a way that is worthy of your name. Or, or of your calling. Come on, think about that. Think about your calling. Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3. He says, I have all these things. I was, I was from the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee. I was a Hebrew. I was highly educated. But all these things that I felt were so important, I count them as all rubbish and dung. And there's one thing I do. I forget those things that are behind, and I press forward to the mark of the high calling in God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is saying, remember what your calling is, church. Remember who you are as a captive, that you walk or you live in a manner that is worthy of the one that you're named after. And so what is our calling, church? I'm going to tell you in one word. Our calling is Christ-likeness. That's your calling. 
It's not a stage. It's not a platform. It's not a ministry. It's not your fame. It's not your name. Your calling is to be conformed into the image of Christ. That's what that's why God saved you so that you could represent him in the world. And how many can be honest when you read the gospel and you see, man, Jesus, you did that. You responded that way. I know. Come on. I, I, come on how many of you guys like the Jesus that brought judgment and got the got the, the whip and drove out the money changers and just beat beat the hell out of people. Right. OK. Get them, Jesus. Right. We like the miracle Jesus. Come on. How many of you guys like the miracle Jesus? Right. We like the salvation Jesus, or we, want, we like the deliverance Jesus, or the, the multiplier Jesus when you needed some money. Come on, what kind of Jesus do you want, do you like? Come on. We like, come on, we don't realize it, but we have different gospels. We could have a different gospel. But all those were manifestations of Jesus' life that he spent on the inside with his father. A lot of times what we see in Scripture are manifestations of the power of what he did for people. But how did he walk and what was his character? Two different things. Okay, and so Paul deals with this, and this is not the most exciting preaching, but how many of you know when you read the New Testament, it'll scratch you. It'll cut you and be like, man, Lord, I'm not, I got some growing to do. And so he says to, to walk worthy of the person you're named after, that you're named after. And I'll end it. He says, to be lowly, verse 2. I don't like being lowly. That means humility. Come on, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon himself the form of a slave. There's the cuss word. We don't like that word, huh? Because we, we go back into, you know, white and black and slavery. I'm not even going to touch that right now. But it deals with the issue. It says that Jesus says, I'm going to be a slave to my father. I'm going to be a slave. I'm going to be a slave for him. And so it says that he humbled himself and took on the form of a man and became a bondservant or a slave and became obedient. That was the lowliness that Jesus walked in. It says to walk with humility. I'm going to say, Lord, help me to walk with humility in a greater way. And then here's this other word that we don't like, gentleness. How many of you need some help in being gentle? I need help in this area. I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I I can be a little bit uh, pushy, and I don't want to be pushy. I need to be gentle, right? But being gentle, being gentle is a fruit of the Spirit, right? And fruit is grown. Come on, you guys are laughing at me. Come on. But yeah, I have a gentle side, but sometimes I get pushy. I get impatient. I know none of you get impatient. I know you guys are just perfect. But let me get back to the verse I'm supposed to be preaching about here. It says to... With lowliness and gentleness. Come on, don't you know that? That's what Jesus, he says, come to me, all you who are burdened and heavy laden. Come and to me and you'll find rest for your soul. He says, come and learn of me for I am meek and lowly. That's what Jesus says. He says, come and learn of me. I'm meek and lowly. We like the power, Jesus. But Paul is saying, learn about the lowly Jesus and the gentle Jesus and the long-suffering, bearing with one another in love. 
How many say, Lord, I need more love? Come on. I need more love. Philip, you can just come on up here. I need more love. I need more peace. I need to walk in a greater level of humility. I need the fruit of gentleness. I need to be able to bear with one another. The word bear means to forgive. That's what it means. It means to forbear or to forgive. It means that you're, you don't want vengeance. You'd be like, Lord, I'll extend mercy. Come on. I mean, there's a part of us that wants vengeance. Come on. Somebody hurts us. Ugh, I want to get them back. But the verse says, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with wonder and love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know that these verses says they say this because if we don't do them, the opposite is true. If we don't have unity, we have disunity. And if you have disunity, you don't have peace. How many of you guys ever found that even in your own life? When you're not at peace or when you're not united even with yourself and God, you won't even have peace with you. You won't even have peace in your own house. You won't even have, you won't even have peace in your heart because there's areas of contradiction going on in your life. But Paul says endeavor. You know what it means to endeavor? It means to get, get going. Move fast. Get, let that be your focus. It's the word that means speed or get, get to it. Like when you say to someone, come on, get moving. How many of you guys ever told your kids, come on, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's get moving. That's what that word means. It means to endeavor. It means that's our focus. That's where we're going. And so he says endeavor or let that be your focus or this is the area that we're moving in is to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because there's only one body and one spirit. Aren't you glad there's not two? Aren't you glad there's not two or three or four, even though they want to be three and four, there are. But ultimately, there's only one God and one spirit. There's only one body. And here it is, just as you were called. What are you called for? To be like Christ. In one hope of your calling, that's his purpose for you. There's one Lord. There's one faith. There's one baptism. And one God, the Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. So today as we close, I just want you to stand to your feet. And I'm going to pray for you as we come to this close. And I'll share one more verse and what the Lord does for us in verse 7. He says to each one of us, that's me. Come on, just say that's me. That's me, Pastor. To each one, none of you in here are insignificant. None of you, just like we started singing today, they started singing that song. What was the one we sang about dying for us? I don't forget. Oh, but the anthem. No, 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 no. The beginning. Worthy. You thought I was worth saving. Thank you. You thought I was worth saving. It says, to each one of us, a special grace is given according to the measure of Christ's gift. So today, Father, I thank you that you are no respecter of persons. Lord, that you, Lord, are willing to pour out to all that come to you. Lord, that come to you in faith and just come to you. And so just lift your hands today and say, Lord, make me more like you. Lord, let that be even as the word today, as your prisoner, that I would walk or I would live in a manner that is worthy of who I'm named after. And since I named the name of Jesus, Lord, let me walk like you walk. Lord, let me live like you live. Let me speak like you speak. 
Lord, let me hear like you hear. Let me pray like you prayed. Lord, let me operate like you operated. For you give us gifts. And so today, as you hear the cry of your people, Lord, grace them with a new measure of your love today and a new level of your spirit in their hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church Sermon of the Week. If you would like to learn more about us, please visit EncounterJesus.us or search for Encounter Church San Leandro in your app store.